Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I talked to Dan Loudon. He's the chief marketing officer at WhiteOps. WhiteOps is a global leader in bot mitigation. On the show today, we talk about marketing and cybersecurity. We get a lot into fraud and fraud detection. And uh, two big cases that WhiteOps was one of the leaders in identifying. You're going to learn a lot about fraud and why marketers should even care about it and the types of things that it's funding, which we would not ever want to be associated with. And so I hope you can take a little bit of a takeaway today that fraud is something that should be on the minds of marketers because of the number of dollars that we spend. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dan Loughton. Well, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. Great to be here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we've met at the uh, at the CMO Club a number of times, so it's nice to nice to have another CMO Club mate on the call or on the line with me today. So, I was looking at your background, and one of the things that struck me, and I don't know why this has never come up in conversation with you before, but you were a chef, if I got it right, and I'm curious what the pathway from chef to marketing was for you. Yeah, you bet. It, it was in my a, a long time ago, in my early 20s, but it was down in Ocean City, New Jersey. I was a uh, part of a Palmer House Corporation uh, restaurant, seafood house. And yeah, I loved to cook. 
and we would serve 400 and some people an evening during the summers. And it was a great place to work. I loved, had a lot of fun, but learned a lot too. From that, we had to go and um, market to consumers to come in and have dinner with us. So not only was I the chef, I had to pick up skills about how to go and communicate to the 100,000 people that come to visit Ocean City in the summer. So that's where I kind of garnered some of my uh, earlier marketing skills to help get the word out about a restaurant and about what we served. And uh, I really enjoyed it and connecting with consumers and businesses to drive business. And that kind of led me in a path to go back to, uh, to school for my MBA at Rutgers. And, um, you know, I majored in international business and marketing and, you know, really, really loved that whole aspect of engaging in, you know, creating relationships and really building friendships through marketing. And that's kind of how I got my start. Got it. Do you still cook today? Yeah, not as much. A lot. Once in a while, I get a chance to go do some fun things. There's a farmer's market here in town that I go and handpick things uh, that we make for dinner. And that's a lot of fun. But you know, we'll get back to it at some point in time. <laughs> well, next time we're together, I'm going to make you cook. <laughs> so, <laughs> just now that I know this, uh, it's a fun fact. Well, what sparked you to uh, cybersecurity? Because you've been in this space for a little while, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, I've been in marketing in the enterprise now for over 20 years. You know, big companies like Sharp Electronics, NEC. And then I got pulled into IBM as part of their ThinkPad uh, division in the late 90s and really loved that whole aspect of it. But after that, I decided to go towards more startups. So this is startup number seven for me. I've helped a bunch of others. It's my fourth cybersecurity company over the past seven years. And I just love the one challenge that enterprises have in protecting their crown jewels and to protect their customers. And I just really love that whole aspect of, of really making a difference in and stopping the bad guys that are impacting all of us, whether it's us through business or personally or even our children. So, you know, I got pulled into cybersecurity through a friend of mine from my IBM days. And um I haven't looked back since because it is such an, a challenging, evolving problem that cybersecurity companies, especially startups, have the ability to have a major impact in stopping and disrupting the bad guys. And uh, that's what I love most about cybersecurity is that we're having an impact in disrupting the economics of cybercrime. And uh, you can do that with a 150 employee company and do it in a very big way. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you're now at White Ops, and I'd love it if you just describe what White Ops is for listeners. I'm a, and I'm I'm sure a few of listeners have have already heard of you because you've been in the news many times over now. So yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great company. I have been with them for just about a year. I got pulled into them through some previous investors who said you really need to take a look at this company because they're doing great things. So White Ops focuses on a problem around fraud protection and prevention mostly from sophisticated bot attacks. And we're talking major, major bad actors that are very, very sophisticated that target enterprises, target brands by creating what they call malware that they place on consumer or enterprise machines. And from there, they look and act like humans, but they're not. And they attack websites, they attack advertising, they attack logins for username and passwords and try to do bad things. And White Ops has developed a, a bot mitigation platform that solves 
use cases around advertising, around marketing and applications to stop these sophisticated bot attacks. And uh, today we support well over 200 large enterprises across the globe. We today verify more than 5 trillion interactions per week, determining whether it is a human or a bot on the other side of who you're engaging with. And that's critically important for brands in many, many different ways. So it's a, it's a big problem. The bad actors are siphoning off billions of dollars, hard-earned dollars that marketers and enterprises are trying to use to engage with real humans, but they're actually engaging with real bots. Well, we've talked about ad fraud in particular a few times on the show, but I'd love to dig a little deeper. You said you're supporting over 200 companies globally now. How's demand? I mean, I would think it's growing quite rapidly, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. It really is. With more people going online and staying online longer, the bad actors go where the money is. They follow the money. At White Ops, our goal is to actually make it more expensive for the bad actors to be successful. So we are trying to disrupt the economics of cybercrime. And some of those use cases are crazy. So today we were working with folks that where bots are listening to music and influencing the top 100 songs of the week, you know, because they're incentives to do it. There are bots that are filling out forms, campaign forms from a consumer device. So it looks like it's a consumer, but it's not. And they're filling out these forms and those forms are going into the marketing stack for follow-up from sales or retargeting and the like. And those bots are being paid out because again, they look like humans uh, coming through the ad network. And in fact, you know, they're bots. So the goal here is to ensure brands from a marketing integrity perspective, from an advertising integrity perspective, are engaging with real humans. And in many cases, they think the brands are, but in essence, they're not. In one case, we found over 30% of the traffic going to a marketer's web page and campaign page was actually sophisticated bot traffic. And the marketer thought maybe it was 1%. And even 1% is a huge amount, to be perfectly honest, because you're wasting a lot of valuable marketing dollars. But we're seeing as high as 30% in some cases. So it's a, it's a big problem that a lot of marketers are not aware of yet. And that's what we're trying to go educate the market on to tell them, hey, you can now get visibility and take back control of your campaigns. And with that, you can determine where the bad actors are coming in and stop that traffic to ensure you're only engaging with humans going forward. And when you do that, your actual conversion rates go up significantly and your business results are that much better. And that's where we're helping marketers you know, solve this big problem and giving them their money back and giving them their control back. And that's a really important thing that we're talking about to the community. A little bit. Well, and with everything right now in, in the pandemic world that we live in, so much more volume is going to online even more so than it was going before. This has got to be only a growing problem. It I'm is. Glad. It's a huge opportunity for brands, you know, as more people are online. And obviously it's impacted brands negatively in some areas, but it's, you know, it's been a positive for some others. But overall traffic is up substantially, especially on mobile and especially on CTV. So it's great opportunities for brands to engage with, with people. But with that, as I mentioned, the bad actors follow the money. So they're trying to figure out their way to get a piece of the pie from from where the growth is. And um, you know, it's impacting every company in the world. 
Yeah. Well, like I said before, I mean, I, I'm glad to have you on because I, I feel like fraud and cyber threat is one of the most underreported threats to marketers and marketing. And I'm trying to do my small part having episodes with folks like uh, Augustin Fu or Kevin Frisch from uh, Uber, who highlighted their ad fraud case that they brought forward, or even providers like Jamp, which is in the programmatic advertising space, and switch their business model to try to get away from fraud. So I'm, I'm I'm glad to talk a little bit more about this. I'd love to hear from you, like as from your perspective and at White Ops, like what are the types of threats or fraud that you're seeing that would likely impact a marketer? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing threats, especially from the standpoint of your digital media efforts. So everything from lead generation, display advertising, video advertising, organic traffic, native advertising, social media, even your SEO, SEM, and keyword search. Anywhere where you're bringing in traffic, you're trying to go and tell your story, your product story, and you're trying to drive traffic to your website or your campaign pages that's where we're seeing a lot of fraud and a lot of sophisticated bot attacks. So those bots and those bad actors are leveraging those tactics to engage with brands and filling out forms or collecting data. And a lot of that data then gets filtered into the tech stack, including marketing automation, data management, your CRM and personalization. So imagine if 5%, 10%, 20% plus of that traffic and that information is actually flowing into your tech stack. And that way your data is not clean. And then your sales team is following up with those leads and they're not real. And then you're retargeting those leads and you're spending more money to engage with them and they're not real. So this is one of the major use cases that we're seeing out there around fraud today that is impacting marketers and impacting our budget. And I take this very personally because I'm a CMO. Every dollar, you know how this goes, every dollar we spend, we're being asked more and more to drive business results, to help the company be more successful. And you don't want to see 5, 10, 20 plus percent of your budget go towards bots interaction. You want all that spend to go to human interaction and then be able to go drive better business results. And that's where we're, we're spending a lot of our time helping brands go solve that problem. So that's one big area. But there's so many different use cases. You know, there's ticketing, concert tickets, which aren't happening right now, but there's concert tickets where, you know, you they, tickets would sell out within a matter of minutes. And a lot of that was actually bots holding the inventory. So the bad actors could then go buy the tickets and then resell them for 10x the price, you know, on a third party site. So we're being pulled into ticketing companies where there's limited inventory and things like that. It's every company in the world right now is being attacked. And if the key thing I would say is if you see the traffic come to your site where it looks like it's amazing result from a views or clicks and things like that, but the conversion rates are really low you have a sophisticated bot problem. And that would be the key story that I would share with marketers today to say, and that's not a cybersecurity problem. That's a marketer's problem. And yes, you could work with your cybersecurity team here, but and we do in some cases, but it's a marketing problem. We need to own it. And we say, we should say we enough enough is enough from a fraud perspective. Let's go own our destiny and take this back. Right. Well, and I've learned through a number of interviews that just saying my digital ads and I've turned on, so to speak, bot detection in the stack of programmatic or, or however I'm buying my digital inventory, that's not enough either because they're not catching everything like you described. 
in many cases, I, I don't think they can determine what is human traffic and what is bat, bot traffic. Yeah, because a lot of that, if you just if the way you're set up, it's just catching simple bots. You're not seeing the whole story. Today, we focus on programmatic advertising, and we have about eighty percent market share. You know, with the large DSPs and internet platforms, and um, you know that's how we are stopping bots on that part of the equation. It's all the other efforts, like I mentioned around lead gen and traffic, organic traffic and native advertising, social media. There's a lot of fraud coming from those approaches as well. And you need to look at the, the big picture, the whole picture. Right. I'm assuming, I mean, that this means that from a implementation or, or getting engaged with you guys is also getting engaged on my own sites, my own digital inventory, if you will, to help the tracking process. Is that right? Is that how I'm thinking about it? Exactly. It's it's pretty straightforward. We have a, a tag that we would put on your site. It's very easy to implement. And from that, we, are, we have 200 plus algorithms that we are constantly looking for, whether it is a bot or a human. And those algorithms are constantly changing to stay ahead of the bad actors. And we can in less than five milliseconds, determine if it's a human or a bot very, very, very accurately. And that's that's what we've been investing in over the years. And you know that's why the largest internet platforms and enterprises across the globe put their trust in us because of our approach. And you know that also includes threat intelligence and machine learning. And it's how an adaptive approach to stay ahead of the bad actors because they are very sophisticated, they are very well funded, and they are very smart in their approach. And a lot of times they go on unnoticed for a long period of time. And um, our goal is to take them out. And uh, that's what we've done in the past and continue to do today. Well, when we last spoke in preparation for this conversation, you mentioned a Russian group. And I'd love to uh, to get you to tell that story to listeners because it's fascinating. It's like a crime novel that unfolds in real time that you guys were involved with. So would you mind telling that story about the group that you helped detect, I guess, first, and then kind of monitor forward with authorities to help track and find them? And then ultimately, they've, they're facing trial. Yeah, it is an amazing story. I think it will be a movie someday. This was a group of bad actors that uh, were out of the Russia and the U Ukraine. They were doing mostly ad fraud. They had created, it was a sophisticated group that was creating malware. A different group was actually deploying the tax. Another group was collecting the money. And it was a very sophisticated approach. It was called three, it was called Eve, spelled three D-E because of the approach of, of how they went about through ad fraud. This group had infected nearly 2 million machines. We're sending 12 billion fake requests per day at their height and felt that they were untouchable. And it's something that White Ops and the, the detection team and you know even Tamara Hassan was named Fast Company's most creative person in business because we were the ones to recognize this early on and were able to spot how quickly this was growing and how many devices it attacked and just how much problems it was creating throughout the whole advertising ecosystem. And these guys were collecting tens of millions of dollars and just sitting back and just felt they were untouchable. So untouchable that they decided, several of them decided to go on a surf vacation to the Far East, landed in an airport, and through what we call collective protection, we had worked with Google, with Facebook, with the Trade Desk and MediaMath and many cybersecurity companies, as well as the FBI, the Department of Justice, and law enforcement from 10 other countries. 
So when these guys landed at an airport and were on the runway, the plane was held and authorities boarded the plane and then were able to extradite those bad actors back to the U.S. And they're currently going under trial and they're in jail in Brooklyn. I believe two of them just received 40-year sentences. So our goal there was to determine all the things that were, were happening and all the bad things that were happening. But our goal and our mission, as I mentioned, is to disrupt the economics of cybercrime. And the only way you do that is to have major consequences. And that's what we're demonstrating here through collective protection. And White Ops kind of led that effort and key members of our team led that effort to take these bad guys out. So those 12 billion requests today went to practically zero within hours. So we were able to stop this group and um, really demonstrate our ability to protect the ecosystem and bring integrity and visibility and clarity to how the programmatic advertising ecosystem should work and how it can stay safe and how brands can rely on the integrity of it because of this view of collective protection. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story. I'm just envisioning these guys having fun, frankly. <laughs> you guys, to be with the authorities, to say, hey, you should go check, go find these guys. And uh, man, what a bad travel experience they had that day. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really an 18-month operation from the time we started to see these things to the these different organizations, as I mentioned, Google, Facebook, and FBI. It was kind of the first time all these groups worked together. And it shows that both government agencies and public and private enterprises can work together to go solve this problem. And it takes that kind of collective protection to make it happen and make it stand. Yeah. I mean, and this is organized crime of the future, right? I mean, this is, you talk about bad actors. I mean, this is potentially, not in this case, but in many cases, I'm sure there's there's states that are involved in trying to siphon off money, probably because of sanctions. There's people that are committing crimes or, or terrorist activities, even. This is a great way to raise money. So, I mean, if I'm a marketer, I'm sitting here thinking, man, it's not just about waste. It's not a question of waste. It's like, what am I funding in the world? And that's a slippery slope, if you think about it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is. And that's where a good number of marketers are taking a stand. They're like, enough for all those reasons. We Let's do the right thing. We can 
make the world a better place. We can protect our brands and our companies and make it hard for the bad actors to survive, right? And through this collective protection, we can do that. We can have that impact. So to me, there's brand marketers and the like taking a stand. And you're going to hear more from us with customers that we're doing this with to publicly talk about the problem. And that's coming here shortly because... um, We're gearing up to go tell the story more publicly than we ever have with our customers, with the brands we work with. Well, let's talk about one more because you guys um, also uncovered the ice bucket CTV fraud. And I'd love to know one, a little bit about like, what what was that and how did it work? Yeah, you bet. So we always name our investigations after some type of alcoholic drink, or it could be non-alcoholic as well. But we kind of have fun with that just because this is an intense world that we live in and an intense business that we deal with. So this was, Ice Bucket was focused around CTV and fraud. This is where there were devices that looked like they were CTV devices, but were not. So it was deceiving advertisers outside of this protected ecosystem to think that they were connecting with real humans through CTV advertising, but the devices that supposedly ads were being shown to were not uh, CTV devices. And the impact was substantial. I mean, again, millions of devices we recognized and millions of interactions we recognized as were fake. And um, again, because of our view of 5 trillion interactions we monitor on a weekly basis, we're able to see a lot of things and we're able to protect the ecosystem. So with Ice Bucket, we, we shared this information with a lot of the key players in the CTV market, the device manufacturers, the programmatic advertising companies that do this, and the ones that we work with, we were able to protect right away. The problem that happens is that outside of this protected ecosystem, the fraud went rampant. And um, we were able to recognize that and we were able to stop the fraud on our network and all the companies that we work with. So they weren't really impacted, but a lot of others were impacted. So that's one why, reason why we published this research to tell people, hey, there's a problem out there because CTV is brand new and there's still some complexity in the advertising ecosystem, and there's a right way to do it to ensure you get in front of real humans. And then if you go outside of that, you're at risk of fraud. So we use this research to educate the players in the market that there's a right way to do CTV because it's a massive opportunity for brands and advertisers. And that traffic, as more more people stay online, is going up substantially, all the streaming services and the like. So it's a huge opportunity for marketers to take advantage of. But you have to do it right in order to ensure you're engaging with real humans. And um, that's what Ice Bucket was all about. We just published it a couple of weeks ago. And again, it's um, our goal is to serve and educate the community to say, be aware of these things so we can build more security in from the beginning. So that way, as CTV continues to mature, it's done the right way based off of all the learnings we've had so far. Right. And, you know, me as somebody that's trying to learn about this, I think about CTV or connected TV and all the various 
ways in which you can stream or, or consume content in that, re- in that regard. And I don't think about all of the layers of technology that's behind it, you know, as a marketer, right? And it seems like these bad actors are great at figuring out a vulnerable area <laughs> because there's money, right? The CPMs are higher to go on C- CTV than they are in your just digital banner ads. So profit pools are exciting <laughs> in that regard, you know, and, it, and exposing the vulnerabilities in the ecosystem. This time, if I read it correctly, I think it was specifically the um, the ad insertion layer that was being targeted in particular. Yeah, yeah. And they were impersonating CTV devices and it's complex, right? It's, I mean, it's amazing programmatic and the like because of how how it operates and how quickly it can adapt and provide valuable advertising with context and and have it be, you know, customized in a way that engages with the consumer in such a short, less than in milliseconds, right? So in order to deliver it that way, it's very, very complicated in the back end with all the different players on how to deliver that. And from that, there are some blind spots that the bad actors, they're smart. And that's one thing we don't underestimate is how smart these bad actors are. These guys are sophisticated. They act like an enterprise. They have two-week sprints. They have leadership teams. They have well-organized approaches and are constantly poking to see where there are holes in the ecosystem. And that's why this is a challenge. And it will continue to be because they are well-funded. So our approach is, from a white ops perspective, is let's go work with all the best companies in the industry, offer this collective protection. And when we see something bad happen in this vertical, in this country, we immediately can go protect everyone. So the more aggressive we can be, we we feel that's the best approach to go protect the entire ecosystem. Got it. Well, I should say congrats because you guys just got a recent investment from Goldman Sachs and Clear Sky Security. It's actually no surprise hearing all the things, <laughs> the good things that you've done, but congrats nonetheless. That's a, that's a great achievement. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, tremendous brands themselves, Goldman Sachs and Clear Sky Security, we're looking for an investment around, but we weren't just looking for dollars to go be invested in the company. We were looking for a true partnership where it would elevate our brand and elevate us having access to even more customers across the globe. And Goldman Sachs and Clear Sky Security came in and these guys are the tops of the tops, right? They know everybody, they can introduce us to everybody. And to have the backing of those two companies. They did a ton of due diligence on us, right? So trust and integrity is key to what we do. To have those two companies buy in and invest in our company and introduce us to everyone in the industry is a huge benefit to White Ops. And we really, really appreciate that. And it's it's going to be a true partnership. And our goal is to verify the humanity of every digital interaction and disrupt the economics of cybercrime. That is our mission. And every employee wears human shirts um, because we're all about keeping it human. And to have Goldman and Clear Sky invest in the company to help us go scale across the globe, we're really excited about that, especially in these challenging times. So um, it only helps us build better technology and better ways to protect our customers. And all of our customers will benefit from that investment. Congrats again. And it is a sign of uh, a stamp of approval, if you will, to have those names behind you for sure. I'm curious how you market White Ops because it's a tricky situation, right? Like you guys are not new, like you've been around the block. You yourself have been in other cybersecurity companies as well. You've got great case studies, but it's still like you're fighting something and trying to sell 
something to on the marketing side in particular, things that we can't see, right? And many things that we don't understand. I'm speaking on behalf of marketers in my own, own regard. So it must be a challenge to market what the company and what you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, we have, and that's why I was brought on board. There's so many amazing white ops stories of how we have helped customers. And, you know, the first five years of the company was all about building the, the platform. And, you know, it was 60, 70 percent engineers in the company that were hired from some of the best companies and agencies in the entire world. I mean, the people that work at the company are just amazing. So I was brought on to go tell the story. And it's a cybersecurity. There's a lot of companies out there, but not really any focused on the approach that we have taken. And a lot of marketers can say that, hey, our approaches were different and the like. But with our scale of more than 5 trillion interactions per week, with the companies we work with who are willing to talk to other prospects in the industry because of the good job we do for them, and because the companies we work with have bought into our mission as to collective protection and disrupting the economics of cybercrime, they want more companies to participate. So a lot of our customers have been the best way for us to engage with new prospects. So that's what I, I've been brought on board to, one, from a brand perspective, to really give the company, uh, to me, a much more intriguing look and feel and brand experience around keeping it human, where we've leveraged a lot of employees of the company. And yes, we all wear human or robot shirts. We absolutely do in the company. On Zoom today, that's all everybody wears, but in the office too. But you know, it's around this mission of keeping it human. And our customers have bought into it, our partners, the analyst community, the press, they've all bought into it. And it's really become a movement. And um, that to me is the most exciting thing as a CMO is that we're helping foster that by the stories we tell, the research we publish, the findings we share, just to show how smart this group is in stopping fraud. And um, that really helps contribute to us to grow our company and tell the story. And when people hear it, I get thank yous, like, thank you for doing this because it's um, it's impacting everybody in the world. So we tell these stories and it helps attract new customers. And um, it's difficult times right now for everybody. But for us, we're in a fortunate position that we can help lots and lots of people. And that's what we're striving to do. That's awesome. I want to switch gears a little bit. I always like to turn the table a little bit and get to know the person as well as the company we're talking to. And uh, in that regard, there's this question that I love asking folks. And it, the question is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, and you've heard others say it, but it's been the journey. It's unbelievable to me who I've worked for, what brands I've represented, and the relationships that I've built with customers, with fellow employees, with my bosses, with the teams who have worked for me. And to me, that sticks with me the most. With this whole pandemic, I've reached out to team members from 20 years ago and say, hey, how you doing? Hope everything's okay. And I've learned from both the successes and failures along the way. One of the fun things is from my IBM ThinkPad days, from 96 to 2001, I still keep in touch with a ton of those people from that organization. And we were a 300-person startup within IBM at that period of time. And we grew that business to $4 billion. It was amazing. I still keep in touch with a lot of those folks. Matter of fact, we have a weekly Zoom call 
with a bunch of them. And um, we've all progressed in our careers. We've all helped each other out. I've worked for some of them. And to me, that's what I, I remember and, and defines me the most about the great relationships I've built, the integrity that I've tried to maintain of doing the right thing and representing brands that I feel um, proud of. And um, winning a lot and failing at this at, at others and all those experiences have helped me throughout my career. Yeah. So that's awesome. And the, the zoom calls, uh, that's the way of life these days. I was talking about reconnecting with folks or, or staying connected with people in, in your past. I had a, a zoom call recently with old business school classmates and, uh, it was amazing. This is not an advertisement for zoom, but you know, amazing how fast you can jump right back into friendships, relationships when you see, see them as well as hear them. So it's, uh, and it's a great way to stay connected. Really is. Yeah. What advice would you give your younger self if you were starting all over again? Yeah, great question. I mean, you know, this is something, again, my, my buddies and I live by. You know, a lot of us play, play golf together. And as a part of golf, there's sometimes you have shots where you're going to push yourself to go for it, right? So maybe you're shooting over a water or over a ravine or a really long hazardous shot. And you can decide at that point in time whether to go for it or to play it safe. And out of that, one of my good friends screams from the beginning of this uh, years and years ago, you know, hey, Loudon, don't lay up, right? And laying up means playing it safe. So every time I would tell my younger self, don't lay up, just go for it. Have a sense of fear is a good thing, but just go for it at all times. And to be uncomfortable means you're pushing the edge, and that's a good thing. And um, you learn from all of this. And, um, you know, that's what I love the most. I've done the big company thing. I've been in startups where I put myself in the things that I do in a much more riskier situation. But to me, to be able to take those risks, not laying up, the results have just been phenomenal from the times I've, again, seen success and sometimes I've seen failure. But to me, that's what I would tell myself. And to be a part of a company that innovates, that can disrupt the market, that can really have an impact in helping companies and consumers. That's what I live by and have been for the past several years. And um, to me, that feels good inside. And I, I want to look back on my career and feel good about that approach. And I would tell my younger self, just go for it. I love it. It's a bumper sticker worthy advice. <laughs> Don't lay up and go Don't for lay it. Up, man. Don't, <laughs> if you lay up now, you're going to be laying up for the rest of your life. And that's what those guys would tell me on the golf course. And that is so true in business. Yeah. Well, um, this is kind of a silly question, but one I'm experimenting with and, and kind of like it uh, so far is what's been the most impactful purchase, say of a hundred dollars or less in the last six to 12 months? Yeah. I mean, for me right now, it's um, with the pandemic and everything, it's to support local business, right? So we're, we're trying to do that as a family, whether it's a, it's a meal or clothing or things that we can help out with and that we can contribute to local businesses because they're really hurting. Another quick example is, um, and I'm a big fan of live music. I lived in Austin, Texas for 20 years. So I've been trying to help some musicians who lost all their gigs because none of the places where they play aren't open. So we've been contributing to help them. And, you know, to me, that's the right thing to do. I feel fortunate about what's going on in our world. So it's time to help others. Yeah, that's great. 
Great advice. Well, uh, two last marketing questions for you. Most marketers I, I interview, they tend to be students of what's going on around them and you know monitor or, or look to brands or other companies. I'm curious if there's any brands or companies that you're following or you think other people should be taking notice of. Yeah. The one that I really, I think it's kind of amazing and a lot of people follow them is Tesla. The CEO is kind of a mad scientist and I'll just leave it at that, which I absolutely love. Talk about disruption, talk about in so many different ways. And just, again, he's a guy that doesn't lay up. I mean, he's going for it in all fronts, including this rocket launch that's supposed to happen this week, right? So to me, that is a brand that has been disrupting so many different industries. I just love it. Another one I would just say is Disney. They've been around forever, but I was just doing a masterclass, which that's a brand that I actually really, really love. I signed up for masterclass where you can learn from masters in all different elements. And um, I was watching uh, Bob Iger talk about Disney and how they've reinvented themselves over the years and then are now streaming and what the steps they took and the risks they took. And, you know, to me, that was fascinating. So Masterclass to me is a, is a great brand that I'm really enjoying, but Disney and Tesla are cool ones. But there's a lot of young startups that are trying to make a run. And through these hard times, a lot of great new companies are born. So to me, those are when the world changes, that's an opportunity for disruption and startups to come in and disrupt the world. And, and that's an exciting thing for me. To me, that's what I love the most. And that's that's what I've tried to do throughout my career. So I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Disney is, I mean, I, I, I would agree with all of those brands you highlighted. I haven't done a masterclass yet. They look enticing on the Facebook ads that I get targeted with all the time. But the Disney Plus launch just by itself, just as one instance in the Disney trajectory has been amazing to like watch and look at. So yeah, I mean, the big bets that they, you know, buy Marvel and Pixar and just they're making major, major bets, right? And, um, you know, it's Disney. We grew up with Mickey Mouse, and it's amazing what they've become, right? And now look at the disruption they're going through with the pandemic, right? So it's interesting to watch big companies continue to reinvent themselves, and then others who don't die. So it's innovate or die. Right. That's the way you got to look at it. Yeah. Well, last question for you is, you know, what do you feel like is the largest opportunity or threat to marketers today? Yeah. I mean, I would call it an opportunity. You know, it's what I would just say why I'm so passionate about white ops and what we're trying to do. It's an opportunity to stop fraud. That is a huge opportunity that marketers need to learn more about. And it's having a much bigger impact than they think it is on their business and it's impacting every company in the world. So for the marketers who want to lean forward and to say, you know, enough is enough. I want to join a mission to stop fraud. That's why I joined White Ops. And that's why we're trying to go educate the market that there is now tools out there to help you stop these sophisticated bot attacks and fraud and enable you to engage with real human beings instead of having 10, 20, 30% of your traffic be bots. So it's a huge opportunity for marketers. As I mentioned, every dollar we spend, we have to figure out an ROI. We're being asked to, to do much more than we've ever done before on tighter budgets. So every dollar counts. So to me, it's a huge opportunity for marketers to jump in and say, okay, enough, let's join the fight. And um, they're going to see higher conversion rates and better business results from it. Well, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been fascinating listening to your stories. 
Thank you, Alan. Really appreciate it. Look forward to getting together sometime and grabbing a beer. Absolutely. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.